Take your Bibles and let's turn to Ruth chapter number 1. Ruth chapter number 1 tonight. We began last week to look at this book of Ruth and we were introduced to Elimelech and his family and we began to see what led up to their stepping out of God's will because that's what they did. They stepped away from the land that God had placed them in and went to a place they never should have gone. Um, they lived in a time we saw of desperate circumstances. That was what we looked at last week. It was a, during the chaos of the time of the judges that we just finished, and uh, there was a famine in the land, and we pointed out uh, last week that uh, there was really a twofold famine. The first famine led to the second famine. The first famine was a moral famine in the land, and uh, God was trying to use the material famine, uh, famine of uh, of food uh, uh, to bring his people back to him. So there was a material famine in the land. And God may use these times like this to correct us. Uh, we know Revelation three nineteen: as many as I love are rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. And uh, God may use the times to perfect us. And uh, we know that that's also possible. But he... How we react to our famine experiences determines whether it becomes a time of blessing, which it can be. It can be. It's always a blessing if you repent, get right with God, and turn back to the Lord. Amen. It's a blessing. And, uh, or it can be a time of devastation in our life when we respond wrongly and let it affect our lives on a, a long-term basis. And that just what we see as we look tonight after taking a look last week at the desperate circumstances, tonight we're going to see the dangerous choices. It was a time of dangerous choices. Let's read the first two verses here. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Milon and Kylon, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Now, the reason why they called Ephrathites is that was the ancient name of Bethlehem. In fact, uh, you'll see the and Micah the prophet calls it Bethlehem Ephrathah because Ephrathah was uh, the, uh, the former name. And so that's why they're called Ephrathites. Okay? Um, and uh, we, we see it was a time here of dangerous choices. So we, we see in these verses that Elimelech did not respond correctly to what the Lord was doing in Israel or in his own personal life. Amen. You know, uh, we may need a revival. I know we need a revival in our land. There's, there's no doubt about that. But us individually, we may need a revival as well. Now, a revival may not come to the land, but we can still experience personal revival. We can ex still experience uh, a turning back to the Lord in our own personal life. And that's really what should have happened with Elimelech, but he just went right along with the rest of the country, and the famine continued, and he let it move him out of the land. Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, always understand that God is sovereign in those things. Now, let's notice uh, tonight three mistakes that Elimelech and his family made 
during this famine experience. First of all, we see there in verse number one that they chose to leave the promised land. Verse one tells us that this man made a conscious choice to leave Bethlehem, Judah, with his family and move to the country of Moab. Now, the name Bethlehem means house of bread, and the name Judah means praise. But there was no bread in the house of bread at this time, and there was seemingly no reason for rejoicing and praise. But could I tell you, there's always something to praise God about. There is, we, and we should rejoice in the Lord always, as, as Paul said in Philippians 4.4. 4. God, as God's people, we're, we're bound to rejoice in the Lord. There's always something good that we can find uh, uh, to rejoice uh, about in the Lord. Now, while the geographic location here uh, failed to leave, live up to its name, neither did Elimelech. You know, he didn't live up to his name. His name means, my God is king. Now, if God had truly been his king, then at least four things should have happened. First thing is he should have thought back into the history of, uh, of Israel, all the way back to Father Abraham, and he should have paused to meditate on God's word that recorded what happened to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 12, verse number 7 and following, when they made a, a similar wrong choice to leave the land when there arose a famine. Remember that? They just got into the land. He builds an altar in the office of the Lord, and it says there was a famine in the land. What did he do? He went to Egypt. You know, he should have never gone to Egypt. In fact, he, uh, he knew he shouldn't have gone. He, uh, while, while he was going, he told his wife, you know, you tell me you're my sister um, uh, because they'll want to kill me to get you. Uh, well, he almost allowed the uh, Pharaoh of Egypt to um, take, take his wife away from him. And if it wasn't for the hand of God, the hand of God stayed that from happening. But uh, we get in trouble whenever we make the wrong choices uh, during a famine that comes in our life. And by a famine, it might, might not be a famine of bread, but we mentioned several different famines that could take place last time that we met. Now, another thing is if God had truly been his king, uh, he should have known that God always has a purpose for what he does and what he allows in our lives. I hope you believe that. I hope you know that. You know what I mean? Whatever's happening, good or bad, God's got a reason for it. And uh, what, what do we need to do? Seek the Lord. You should go to the Lord and find out, Lord, uh, what, what do you want me to do in this circumstance? But he didn't do that. Number three things is he should have known that God's valleys do not last forever. Others before him went through some difficult times and trusted the Lord to get them through. And there were others that were going through the famine just like he was that didn't leave the land. I mean, there were others that stayed through this. Uh, but he should uh, have realized that God's valleys don't last forever. He should have also known, number four, that God could take care of him and see him through the, the time of famine if he would remain faithful to God and lean on him. If he'd return to God personally and uh, learn from what the Lord was trying to do and be faithful to the Lord and lean upon his grace, God would have got him through the time of famine. Yet we see that Elimelech didn't do any of that, but rather he chose to leave his inheritance 
in the promised land and head off to a, a land inhabited by people that God had cursed and where God would not bless him. Now, can I tell you that this is a scene that is repeated countless times in the family of God. During my days of ministry, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people step outside of God's will because a little something went wrong. You know, uh, A famine of some sort comes in one's life and they choose to leave the place of God's blessing and wind up in places where God will not bless them. God cannot bless them there. Um, maybe things don't go their way down at the church house and so they just get mad and they choose to quit. and They quit church and wind up quitting on God. That ain't no way to be. <laughs> Amen. Uh, don't, don't quit on the church. Don't, don't quit on God. Maybe a particular trial comes in their life and they are blindsided by it. So they choose to blame God and quit on God rather than lean on God's grace. May God help us when trials come our way to, to not blame Him, uh, even if they catch us by surprise, which uh, usually they do. Amen. And uh, Satan wants to use our trials. He wants to use them uh, to get us against God. God wants the, us to use those things as, as a time to draw near to Him and, and uh, to, to lean upon Him. Maybe they find themselves in a financial crisis, so they choose to place their livelihood ahead of God, abandoning their faithfulness to Him. Jesus spoke about trying to serve God and mammon in Matthew 6, verse 24 through 34. Remember him, all the take no thoughts in that passage? Take no thought for your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to be clothed with. And the, and the bottom line was, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all, and all your needs will be taken care of. I mean, all these things will be added unto you. Maybe they slowly come to love the world more than they love the, the, the Lord and choose to forsake serving the Lord. Remember Demas? Paul uh, talked about Demas to, to Timothy there toward the end of his uh, ministry, he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, 2 Timothy 4.10. We don't know the details, but um, his love for the Lord waned and his love for the world increased. Something caused that to happen. It may have been slowly that it, that it happened, or it may, may have been quickly. Maybe it's something else. Whatever the reason... Uh, people sometimes choose to just walk out of the promised place of God's blessing and live life on their terms. Well, I'm, I'm going to call the shots in this, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make my own bid. Yeah, and uh, there's a word for that kind of behavior, and it's called backsliding. Is what it is. Sadly, there are more believers in that shape than there are than willing to admit that they're in that shape. Um, they cho chose to leave the promised land. Number two dangerous choice they chose to live in a polluted land they chose to live in a polluted land they, for them to leave Israel to go to Moab was in violation of the Lord's will for them I mean the Lord placed them in the promised land gave them an inheritance in the promised land and they chose to 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 do otherwise uh, we, we're told this took place during the time when the judges ruled but are not told exactly when that was. It could possibly have been after Moab was subdued in Judges 3.30 by Ehud. It doesn't matter. <laughs> even, it, even if that was the time 
that it took place that didn't make it right to move to Moab because Moab still worshipped Chemosh along with other false gods. They didn't worship the Lord God Jehovah. And what is somebody worshiping the Lord God Jehovah doing moving into an area that does not? Uh, we, uh, just so that makes sense. In spite of the Lord's clear commandment, Elimelech chose the forbidden path to live among the Moabites over the Lord's way of remaining in the land of promise. Now, to leave one's inheritance, as Elimelech did, was equivalent to denying the faith of the Lord God Jehovah. It was turning away from the one true God to the world. Consider that this move to Moab involved total separation from the things of God. Think about it with me just a minute. They could not worship at the tabernacle in Shiloh. Okay? I mean, they were a long way from Shiloh. It, it was a long way. They could not bring their offerings to the Lord. They could not properly keep the feast that they were commanded to keep by the law. They were totally isolated from the Lord's best for them. And uh, listen, they were away from their brethren. You think about, you know, when you, you're, you're away from family, but you're, those that you're close to, man, that's not a good place to be, is it? Not only that, but by moving his family to Moab, Elimelech unnecessarily exposed his family to evils they might have well avoided had they just stayed in Israel. Think about both of his boys, when we're going to read this, we hadn't read that part yet, both of his boys married pagan women, married Moabite women. And it, you know, it's never right for a child of God to marry an unbeliever. It's just, it's just not. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 and 15 tells us, Be ye not unequally yoked uh, together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? So it's, it's never right for a child of God to marry an unbeliever. Now, Elimelech's family violated the known will of God by intermingling with this pagan race of people. And sadly, we see this still happens today in the life of some believers. I, I can see somebody headed that way and warn them. Uh, but those warnings have got to be heeded. I can't tell you, tell you how many times folks have just turned a deaf ear to when, when I try to warn them of what, about what, uh, what, what the consequences might be. So when believers walk away from the things of the Lord, listen, they can't serve the Lord the way that they should, and their family can be adversely affected. Uh, there's no way to be right with the Lord when you separate yourself from the things of God. Think about that. No way to be right with the Lord if you separate yourself from the things of God. When God's house, and we're talking about His Word, His work, His worship, and His will, when these things are not priorities in our life, can I tell you it's a bad place for us to be? And... Uh, for those that are closest to us to be, say we, our our uh, our decisions not only affect us; they affect those that we love. And uh, I'm sure Elimelech loved his wife and loved his two sons. I don't doubt that at all. But I don't think he thought about what the possibilities might be in a pagan land. 
And uh, we're going to see next week um, uh, all the men die. Yeah. Naomi's husband died first. Then the two boys died. And she's got two, da two daughter-in-laws. It's just, just uh, Naomi and the two daughter-in-laws, one being Ruth. Uh, but uh, it, it, it's, it's sad um, to step outside of God's known will is a choice that always leads downward. If we walk out on God, we will find ourselves doing things that we never thought possible. We will see ourselves affected by wrong relationships and worldly activities. You know, uh, as believers, we're to draw nigh to God. Uh, we, and James said if we draw nigh unto God, He'll draw nigh to us. Uh, we're to draw nigh unto God in our presence and in our practice. And when we do that, uh, that's what's best for us. Okay, so they chose to leave the promised land. They chose to live in a polluted land. Here's the third thing. They chose to linger in a prodigal land. They chose to linger in a prodigal land. I want you to notice three, uh, three uh, uh, I say words, but one of them's got a couple of words in it. Uh, notice the word sojourn in verse number one. Notice the word continued there, the end of verse number two. They continued in Moab. And notice the, the word uh, in verse number four, they dwelled there. Okay, uh, This family went to Moab to sojourn, verse one says, which means to, to turn aside for lodging or any other purpose. Now they were no doubt going there hoping that uh, maybe the bread was in greater supply. Or the things uh, the, the, a lot better. The eating was a lot better than it was uh, where they had just left. But notice that um, it, it didn't. It may have been originally done for temporary purposes, but it says there. Notice in verse two that they continued there. Uh, it says in the last phrase there of, of verse two says, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Now, the, uh, the word continued means to exist or to become. It just kind of like they, they, they got there and uh, they were there. And then notice there in verse number four, it says they dwelled there. To, the word dwelled means to sit down, to dwell, to remain, to settle. So they actually settled. They got settled in to Moab. So not only did Elimelech and his family go into Moab, but listen, Moab got into them as well. So how do you know that? Well, they married pagan wives. The two boys did. You think uh, you think any of that paganism rubbed off on them you know, prior to marriage and during the marriage? Probably. But uh, well, we we see that God alone knows how far into sin and society of Moab this family fell. Now I want us to, for just a minute, go back to the roots of Moab. Let's think about the roots of Moab. Remember there was a, a contention way back in Abraham's day. There was a contention between the herdmen of Lot and the herdmen uh, for Uncle Abram. Remember that? And so they decided to split up and Lot chose for himself the well-watered plain of Jordan 
that included land bordering Sodom because it appealed there to his eyes. And the scripture says that he pitched his tent toward Sodom in Genesis 13. Remember that? Genesis 13, verses 10 through 13. So he pitched his tent toward Sodom, and later we find him sitting in the gate of Sodom by Genesis 19. And verse number 1, went from pitching his tent toward it, being able to look at, upon it, to actually being among them. And uh, we know that uh, Peter said that he vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their ungodly deeds. And not only did it vex his soul, but it vexed the soul of his, of his uh, family. Uh, and by the end of that chapter, chapter 19, Lot and his two daughters escaped God's judgment uh, of Sodom. And his two daughters got him drunk. They thought, well, there's no other men left. That's all the destruction going on behind them. And they had a, a, an idea, a wicked idea. They committed the wickedness with Lot that brought about the wicked Ammonites and Moabites. So think about this, you know. That, that's the roots of Moab. And when Elimelech and his family left for Moab, they may have intended that it would only be for a short time. But listen, days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, and months turn into years. And it, it was actually 10 years. Verse number four, look at verse number four. Uh, the last phrase, and they dwelled there about 10 years. 10 years. For they knew it, 10 years had passed, and they were farther away from the Lord than they could have ever imagined themselves being. And that's uh, an example of the deceptive nature of sin. Sin will take you places that you never would have gone. It'll keep you in places far longer than you intended to stay. And it will cost you more, way more than you wanted to pay. Uh, you just, asked, uh, just, just ask Naomi. You know, if you could have asked her up front if, you'd, if she had known that she was going to lose her husband and she's going to lose her two boys in the land, you think that she would have Tried talking him out of moving? Probably so. Probably so. Um, while we're on the subject, I want to remind you that going to Moab doesn't always involve an actual physical move. There are folks who may attend church regularly, pay their tithes, who are outwardly live clean moral lives, but they're in Moab. Okay? You can be in a Moab uh, without anybody knowing it, we can, we can go to Moab spiritually even when we just allow our attitude to get bad. And may God help us guard our attitude. Um, when we become critical, quick to find fault in others, but we remain blind to the fault in our own hearts, we've gone to a place that we should not be. That's what Moab was, a place that shouldn't be. Amen? When we use our tongues as weapons instead of witnessing tools, we have gone to a Moab in our life. When we harbor grudges and ill will toward others, we have gone to a Moab. Remember that not all the prodigals leave the father's house physically, though they may be miles away spiritually. Remember Jesus and Jesus' story on the prodigal son? Remember the prodigal son's brother? Well, he was a prodigal too. He may not have left the father's house, but uh, you know, he wasn't what he ought to be. Uh, 
he, he, had some, he, he remained home, but he had his issues. He had some uh, very deep issues there. Um, listen, if you are in Moab spiritually, there's only one thing to do. That's get out. Amen. Get out of Moab. Get back to the house of bread and to the place of praise. And uh, like we said, it's a time of desperate circumstances. It was a time of dangerous choices uh, there. And we see, let's, let's, let's read the next few verses here and see what, see what happens in this. And uh, verse number three says, um, you know, here, here we got, you, you got uh, Elimelech and wife Naomi, two sons. They're, they're, they've, they've left, they're in Moab and they're continuing there. And verse three says, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. We're not told what he died of. Uh, people die all the time, but he, he died. She was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha, uh, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Kylon died also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. And we're going to see next week... We're going to see uh, three three widows in a wash pot. Okay, Moab's what God's wash pot, and here you got three widows left behind, and we're going to see what happens here. Um, uh, we know that uh, um, Naomi was planning on just leaving and just going back to her her country, and and told these uh, daughters to. To daughters-in-law to go back to their parents. Look at verse 6. And she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Huh. And they're not, they're not in the land. Okay. Things, are, things are better back home. But they were not in the land. Verse 7. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Uh, then she kissed them and they, they lifted up their voice and wept. But it doesn't end there. That's where the story really begins. Amen. Uh, we'll, we'll see that Ruth decides to go with Naomi. But we're going to look at these. Uh, we're going to look at this time in uh, Naomi's life and uh, what, what transpires here. But that's our actual Bible study for this evening. And let's uh, go ahead and pull back out our prayer list. We'll pray for the needs and we'll be dismissed with this prayer tonight. Appreciate you being here.